Hi there. Welcome to Lake Ridge Community Church Podcast. And this is a place where we get to share uh, some of our messages from Sunday mornings. Um, we're glad that you're here to listen. We'd also love to have you in person. So if you'd like to pop in some Sunday, we meet at 1030 at Our Lady of Wisdom School here in Chestermere. And uh, you can obviously check us out as well at uh, www.lakeridgecommunity.com. Thanks for listening. Welcome again to our time together this morning. Hey, for our message series, we are continuing on with a series called Called, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And we're using this this language of calling to frame the way that we sense God working in our lives and leading us into the work we are doing. Sometimes when we think of the idea of calling, uh, we think of something pretty grand, uh, kind of a life calling that God uh, meets us in a burning bush experience and says, come and do X, Y, Z. And we have good reason to think that that might be how God would work and still does work uh, because God has called people for a long time. Uh, God called people in some pretty uh, amazing ways, but God also called people in some ordinary ways. As we as we talked uh, last week about how God met some fishermen while they were working and said, and Jesus met them and said, come and follow me. I don't think that they had probably much of a clue as to what the grand story was that they were being a part of, but God met them in an ordinary place and time. Today, we are going to continue on this theme about how God calls us, but we're going to be talking about how God calls us to be a holy people. What an interesting bit of language to talk about. Holy people. This language comes from Paul's letter to the book or to the church in Corinth. And in his letter, he writes in 1 Corinthians uh, and he opens up and he addresses this letter to these people and he uses this interesting phrase that we're going to explore today. It says this, To the church of Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people. What an interesting picture. Uh, to those uh, who are set right and being made right by Jesus and called to be his holy people. Well, I don't know about you, but... Being pictured as a holy people is something that conjures up a whole lot of really interesting images. And ones that I don't know if I always understand or maybe even believe to be true about me or my community around me. You see, being holy sounds, frankly, I'll just talk for me, it sounds a little bit scary. It sounds like something that I can't live up to. And even if I could live up to it, boy, I would have to fake it until I make it. Right? I would have to cover up. I'd have to hide the parts of me that don't feel holy, that don't feel good, that don't feel strong or brave or loving or courageous or peaceful. And I'd have to cover it up because I don't feel like a particularly holy person. I'd have to shape up. I'd have to smarten up. And I'd have to just get better at being Preston if I'm to be called a holy person. So being called holy doesn't sound like a lot of fun. I remember when I was in high school, some people said to me, a boy said to me, I don't want to go to heaven because it's boring up there. (laughs) This picture of holiness is something of people who are just really boring, who aren't enjoying life, who don't see the beauty in a sunrise, but they're stoic or, um, or 
pious or, well, just not very cool, I think. It doesn't sound exciting, doesn't sound fun, it doesn't even sound meaningful. How can I live a meaningful life uh, in this world around me if I'm holy? I have to go hide in my basement until this life's over. It's a weird idea to be called holy. It sounds prudish. It doesn't sound like something I actually want to really be a part of. I want to be part of something fun and good. So what are we getting at here? Well, I have here, uh, to get at the idea of being holy, I have a candle. And to understand what Paul was getting at when he called his people holy, we have to talk, we have to engage a couple metaphors that might help open the door for it. Now, metaphors are limited in, in a way. This is what I'm about to talk about is, is not, not directly true. Talking about a candle and God's holiness are two separate things, but metaphors actually help us to get to the truth of something. So follow along with me as we talk about it. God's holiness is a lot like a flame. This flame is hot, and God's holiness is like that. It burns, it's bright, it scorches, it is dangerous. It's full of power. You can't touch God's holiness or you will be hurt because guess what? You are not like uh, you are not like the hot thing. You are made of flesh. If I took my finger and put it inside of this flame, guess what? My finger is not made of flame and my finger would be the losing party in this. I would burn my finger in a big way. God's holiness is a lot like something like this. It is bright, it burns hot, and it can damage you. Now, first, that might be a very scary prospect to think of God's holiness as something that can hurt you. But actually, holiness is something you can't get close to without being hurt. Not because God's nature is bad, or that God is seeking to harm anybody that comes close to him, but because it is so other than us. Kind of like uh, fire can burn, water can drown, space can suffocate. These are not places where I can go and be safe. That might sound like really bad news. Like a way to start talking about holiness and say all the more, yeah, this, this holy thing, it's so beyond me. And it doesn't sound like it's very fun to serve a holy God if we can't even get close. Well, this is where we're going with this. God loves us. And he made us, and he wants to make a way for us to be close to him. But how? So the Old Testament unpacks this. How do people get close to God? So God creates in the Old Testament, and you can read it for yourself, God creates all these laws and rituals and processes and activities that allow people uh, into the holy presence of God. Now remember, when people come into God's presence in the Bible, it is... Uh, Moses, he steps in and sees this burning bush, and he has to take off his shoes. Sometimes he has to look the other way. He can't even cast his eyes on God properly. Others, when they touch the Ark of the Covenant, they touch it, and some people even die. They have to carry it in a certain way. There's all these rules and laws around how to create this holy, how to come even close to the holy presence, how to, how to have something that's hot, and how to wear a glove enough to come close enough to it just to even be nearby, let alone enter right into relationship with it. So the Old Testament is a lot like a glove that helps us get close, but not quite there yet. So what happens? 
How do we get into God's holy presence? Well, for God, this isn't enough. Just to come close. And to maintain all these rules to get close. God wanted, from the beginning, full relationship. We see this with Adam and Eve. God was walking with Adam and Eve. But but there was something that broke this relationship. Sin. It divided people. And it made it so that they couldn't draw close to God. And so these people, they're mortal, they're sinful, they're fearful, they're, they're limited in a lot of ways, and they simply cannot remain and maintain this presence with God. They can't maintain this presence to be good enough to live up to God's holiness. In fact, in the pursuit of their self-righteousness, they actually create even more damage. They make things worse. They have to lie. They have to cover up. They have to pretend. And actually, Jesus, when he shows up on the scene, he's meeting people who are trying to be so good and holy that on their way to the temple, this place of holiness, guess what they're doing? They're stepping over the poor, the lame, the other, the outcast, and their neighbor. And Jesus sees this and he says, you're missing the entire point of what it is to draw close to God's holiness when as you do it, you are leaving in your wake destruction. So this is where we meet Jesus. Enter Jesus into the story. And it's really interesting. It's a really interesting way that Mark opens up his book. It goes like this. Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. When the Sabbath day came, he went to the synagogue and he began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of the religious law. Suddenly, a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit uh, began shouting, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Here's this darkness, this, it says it's an evil spirit, something that's hurting this person, something that's invaded his life, something that is broken and dark and hurtful to him and those around him. And listen to what he's to what this evil spirit is saying. Is saying, have you come to hurt us? Has your fire, has the heat of your holiness come to us to damage us? Because it knows that in the darkness, this, the holiness of God is so unlike the injustice and the brokenness and the hurt that this evil spirit is inflicting. And guess what it says? It says, you are, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. This darkness knew that coming into the darkness, this light, this heat, this, this purifying holiness is embodied in a person, is embodied in Jesus. And it is now not in the temple. It is now out of the temple and entering into these dark places. Well, Jesus cut him short, it says, Be quiet, come out of the man, he ordered. At that, the evil spirit screamed through the man into convulsion and then came out of him. Amazement gripped the audience and they began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this? They asked excitedly. It has such authority. Even evil spirits obey his orders. The news about Jesus began to spread quickly throughout the entire region of Galilee. Look at this. Jesus comes in and his holiness, instead of burning people, instead of making them feel small and broken and ashamed that they aren't good enough, what does it do? It actually liberates them and it astonishes them. That the holiness, instead of them going to it to try to get close to God, now God and Jesus is able to come close to them. And not only close to the best of them, but close to the darkest parts of them and their society. 
It's really good news. And so Mark, in this rapid-fire way, he begins to show how Jesus, the Holy One of God, has come into the world with heat and light and goodness to warm the world, not to burn it up, but to heal it. And that God, this Holy One of God, is now on the move. Evil spirits, they're fleeing. Sickness is healed, and even death is turned to life as Jesus raises people from the dead. You see, Jesus takes his holiness, uh, this holiness then to the temple itself to confront the lies, manipulations, and all the injustices that have kind of grown around the temple. Here in Jesus, his holiness burns bright too. Jesus heals again in Jerusalem. He reminds people of what God is doing. And then on the cross, he then mimics the sacrifice that, that happens in the temple. Or I should say, he fulfills the sacrifice. He becomes the ultimate sacrifice to forgive and finally break the divide between God's holiness, which is unapproachable, and humans who just can't live up. And so Jesus comes and he dies, and in his death, uh, the story of the Bible recounts that a veil, a major curtain in the temple that divided the holiest place from everything else was torn in two. Kind of signifying the sense that the goodness and holiness and purity of God was suddenly, because of Jesus, able to spill out into the world. And what did it do? It raised Jesus from the dead, raised others from the dead, and began to fill God's people. God's people, they met in this upper room, and they were filled by the Holy Spirit of God. The very presence of God was now able to live in them. Jesus said, the temple of God is now in you. It's this amazing turn from going to the temple, trying to be holy enough to get there, to suddenly, because of Jesus, made it possible that the temple moves into the world and embodies a people. You, me, these early followers are able to have the Holy Spirit of God live in them. We can participate in the holiness of God because of Jesus. So we are not burned up in this holiness. We are not burned up when the Holy Spirit of God is suddenly living inside of us. But instead of being burned up, we are transformed into the likeness of Jesus. In the light of God's holiness, we can enter into the presence of God and have God's Spirit live in us. And now we move into the world with the heat and the fire, and the light of God's holiness, and we do it like this, going in, finding dark places, and bringing light to it. I no longer have to cover up. I no longer have to hide. But instead, I now live with this holy presence in me to go into the world to heal, to mend, to drive back darkness, and to do the kinds of things Jesus did. This is the grand story of the Bible. This is what Jesus did then this is who God was, and this, the Bible says, is what happens inside of us. So, Jesus people, you know who that is? That's you. That's, that's me. That's those who've decided to follow Jesus. We are now holy, Paul says. And we begin to show the evidence of this holy transformation in our lives. We begin to love like Jesus loved. We begin to sacrifice like Jesus did. We this transformation or evidence of this holiness is seen by the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. When the 
Holy Spirit enters into us and lives in us, there is something that changes about us. We see the Bible calls it fruit. Like a tree, something is growing, and you can actually see evidence of when the Holy Spirit is in someone's life. And so the book of Galatians lays this out, and I talk about the fruit of the Spirit a lot. It's been one of my themes recently, in recent years, to think upon these things. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, fruitfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are some of the transformative works that the, the holiness of God doesn't burn us away. But instead, it enlivens us. It vivifies us. It comes in and moves in and creates something good in us that is nourishing and beautiful. As the holiness of God was always intended to do. These holy people experience a call. This is the whole theme of this series. These holy people who now have the presence of God in them, who move as the temple of God into the world, they experience a call. God's intention has been and is and continues to be to mend the world and draw close to his creation. And those who participate in the holiness of God should feel that same draw. The same instinct and impetus of God to love the world becomes uh, because of who is living in us, becomes our impetus and call in the world too. And the call of Jesus should begin to well up in us. Holy people do holy things. We touch what is dark with light. We enter into places of hurt with the belief that God in us can mend. And we do Jesus things because we have the life of Jesus in us. Paul says, I'm writing to God's church in Corinth. He opens his letter. To you who have been called by God to be his holy people. I'll put it this way. I am preaching to God's church in Chestermere. To you who have been called by God to be his own holy people. You see, holiness isn't just your best foot forward. It's not my best foot forward. My best foot forward will just stumble. Believe me, I've tried. It's not your sense of ambition or even your brilliance. No, Jesus called fishermen into holiness. He called mothers into holiness. He called uh, craftsmen into holiness. He called a tax collector into holiness. He called, he called a prostitute into holiness. And many more. So... Gone is our ability to muster holiness. We are invited to have invited the Holy Spirit of God to dwell in us, to give us a new core identity as those who are the very dwelling place of God, made holy and made to do and be part of the holy work of God, with God in us. What an amazing calling it is. So what does this all mean? You are called to be Jesus here and now. To be bold in loving your neighbors next door. People on your street. To be generous in giving to others. To bring peace where there's strife. To lower anger and fear and raise love and patience. As Jesus called together followers and set the foundation for the church, well, we are called to build up the church community here in Chestermere. That's part of our calling as a holy people is to gather people 
We are people who are not led by our own agenda to apply our judgmentalism over others, but by God's agenda, demonstrated in Jesus. He is the one we follow who demonstrates what a holy life looks like. We align our life with the way of Jesus in the world God created, not the way of Preston in the world I think that I want to make for myself. But we step in to the river of God's life. We are agents of Christ here and now. And guess what? The Holy Spirit in us gives us what we need to be God's holy people in this place. And this is really good news. So what do I do with all this? What do I do in the world today? What do I do with this sense of this transformative holiness that's inside of me, living in the person of God's Holy Spirit who's entered in and made me this temple of making all things right in my world? What do I do? I love the way the, uh, there's something called the Mockingbird magazine. I love it. I, I recommend you go take a look. Uh, and it says this, the only course of action is to deal with the free gift, to dwell on its lavishness, to internalize its beauty, and to live out a profound sense of gratitude. This gift of God's presence in your life, it is a gift and it's beautiful and it's lavish. And I think sometimes we just need to sit with it and say, thank you. Thank you, God, that you have moved into my life. I might just be an ordinary fisherman. And yet you have sought to make me holy, to make me a participant in what you're doing. This is good news. Thank you. And you've given me everything I need to do this. And so we believe with faith and faithfulness and step into living out of this with gratitude. Calling is a move from a cave, from a dark place of hiding, not hidden away from the world, but with the light of God out into the world, with courage and grace and boldness. It doesn't look like prudish judgmentalism. Holiness in God never looks like that. You spend time with Jesus and you see he is, he is not a judgmental person when he meets those he loves. He loves his creation. He's with it. Nor is it about sectarian bickering. It's about creating unity and drawing God's people together to be the light of God in the world. It looks like the fruit of the Spirit. It looks like love of neighbor. It looks like a lavish party where everyone is invited and it looks like a table that is set out before us. You know if the holy work of God is present in your life, if you are experiencing or living out the fruit of the Spirit. If you're full of malice and rage and you want to take something over and beat something down, chances are you've not yet come to a place where you can experience the holy work of God's creative, recreative, and healing love in your life. The byline of this whole sermon series has been a long obedience in the same direction. It's a motto for the Puto home. We talk about it quite a bit. I think holiness spreads out like a light that brightens a room. It moves into the world with courage and hope. With a light that spills over into the places where we need to go. It lights up the next step. We don't lose courage in this. When things are dark, we say, God, light up the way. So my friends, be encouraged today. As those who are called to be God's own holy people. With the burning presence of God in us. You can turn the holiness of God towards what is hurting and broken around you. And you can touch in love those who God loves. 
This is our calling as a people. And you're invited. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace as the call of the holy people of God. It's very good news. Go in peace this week. Bless you.